All right. Thanks, Jenny. Am I on? You guys hear me okay? All right. It's great um, to be here. I have my daughter, who's my 16-year-old daughter, and my son, who's 14. They're here with me today. Um, my wife couldn't make it. She, our 11-year-old daughter has tryouts today for some um, tumbling gymnastics thing. Um, and then our twins are with them. So you guys, as two seven-year-old twins, would be a little crazy today um, here. So um, I appreciate what Sharon was talking about, about adventure, because we're going to talk a little bit about that today um, in a few, mi few minutes, um, because we need to be living an adventure. And, and we need, we, we can't just be comfortable. And um, I, I lately, I've been feeling that way a little bit. And, and my daughter was telling me the other day, she said to me, my oldest daughter said, Dad, you're really good at casting vision. And man, it get people so excited at the meeting and everybody's fired up. She said, and then, then I told her, I said, yeah, Lily, the hard part is the boring part afterwards. Like, you got to figure it all out. And how to, she's like, everybody's so excited. Everybody, and I'm like, yeah. But now we got to do it, and that and that's a hard part a lot of times, and um, that's the uncomfortable part sometimes. So, um, I want to start with a story. And recently, I was meeting with a CEO of a big company in Kansas City. Um, so, company has three hundred million dollars in revenue, so fairly large um, company. And we were meeting, and I was giving him the vision for Call to Greatness, sharing what we've been doing on the campus. You know, he, uh, he had spoken at a, a conference that I was at, and I wanted to ask him some more questions, um, and we were connecting. And he told me a story that, that I thought was, it was very impactful for me. He said, Rich, two years ago I hired my son to come work for me at 27 years old. He came to work for his dad, and two years later he said, Dad, I want to take you to coffee. And the dad thought, this is odd. My son never asked me to go to coffee. This is odd. And so he said, sure, son, let's go. Let's go to coffee. So they went to coffee. Son sits down and says, hey, dad, how you doing? It's like, sure, it's great, son. How are you? It's like, you doing okay, dad? And dad's like, yeah, what? Yeah, sure. And he's like, are you really doing okay? And he's like, yeah, what's up? He goes, well, dad, listen, I think you're too comfortable in the business. I think the way, you're, the way you're operating, the way you're doing things, you're too comfortable. And the company is suffering because you're too comfortable. You operate best when you're uncomfortable. And when you're kind of th your challenges are in front of you, you're, you're, you're pushing us forward, you're expanding, you're moving, you're, you're getting in comfortable, uncomfortable positions, that's when you're at your best, Dad. And I, when he was telling me the story, I could see his eyes welling up. And I was like, dang, man, it's hitting me. I want to cry. I want to get, that's how I felt at one, po one point not too long ago. And I was like, man, I'm connecting with this guy. That, that story was so, so impactful for me. He said to him, you're too comfortable. Get uncomfortable. You've lost your edge. So, Unfortunately, or, or fortunately, however, it's our nature to be and seek to seek comfort and to be comfortable. Um, my wife told me yesterday that she saw a statistic that most people, when they work out, they only give 80%. Because why? Their body tells them, man, this is too painful, self-preservation, I gotta, I gotta hold a little bit back. That we only give 80% at, at our, at, when, we're, when we're working out. We typically achieve something, we get to a safe place in life, and then we settle in. 
We stop challenging ourselves, putting ourselves out there, and we stop taking even faith risks, like stuff that God might have put in your heart. And many of you are younger. You know, God's put a lot of dreams and, and passions and exciting things in your heart, and maybe we let them fall on the wayside. Maybe we don't. We, we get some level of success, and we say, you know, this is good. I'm good. You know, let's, I'm safe. I got a nice income. I got a nice house. Family's good. We just, we just settle there. <clears throat> I want to look at a verse today, and, and I'm, I'm not, this isn't your typical message where we're going to go through a, like, you know, 15, 15 verses in Scripture. We're going to talk about two verses today. That's it. Two verses. Luke 9, 57, 58. Now, I'm going to give you first the NIV translation. It should be behind me. There you go. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Simple enough, right? I will follow you wherever you go. Man, that sounds great. Please do. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That doesn't sound very exciting to follow a guy that has no place to lay his head, right? Well, let's look at the message translation. I thought this was interesting. I really liked it. It said, on the road, someone asked if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best inns, you know. Man, I like that. We're not staying in the best inns, you know. Um, and I was so, I, I like that word curt so much, so I was like, man, I need to find out exactly what the definition, I think I know what it is, but I wanted, and it was, the definition was very simple, rudely brief. Not rudely brief, rudely brief. Okay, there's a little difference there, I'm not sure if you guys all got it, but rudely brief. Man, he's just, hey man, look, are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best inns. What is Jesus saying in these two verses? Our text for this morning, the cost to follow me is high. It's going to be uncomfortable. Contemplate this before you decide to follow me. If you want a comfortable life or a life lived on your terms, this may not be the mission for you. If the verses that go on after, this, after these verses, they go on to some people want to, hey, on my, they want to basically follow Jesus on their terms. This may not be the mission for you. Jesus, you know, at this point, I think Jesus' marketing and PR teams were like, no, don't say that. Don't say we're not staying in the best inns by the beach, you know, with hot water and jacuzzi. No, don't say that. You've got to tell people this is going to be comfortable, that it's going to be really, really neat. But Jesus instead is telling us, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, why does God want us to be uncomfortable? You know, he, 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 it's like, man, why can't we just be comfortable? It's like, it's okay, like, just be comfortable. No, he wants to grow us, to make us more like him. And so in many ways, that makes us uncomfortable. He wants you to unlearn some old ways of thinking and behaving. Man, that's really uncomfortable. That's really uncomfortable, right? Remember, I always think of this verse. I love this verse, Romans 12, 2 but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, our minds need renewing. As we become new followers of Jesus, we need the Bible to transform our thinking and to transform us, and that makes us uncomfortable. I've always lived this way. I need to, oh man, I've lived like this for 20 years. How can I change? It's so hard. It's painful. He stretches us into a new area of increased effectiveness. When I was a businessman, I had been in the business world for 10 years. 
Somebody came to me and said, Rich, you're so good at working with young guys, discipling them, training them. Why don't you do this for a living instead of what you're doing? You're good at what you're doing, but you could be great at doing something different. Help working with, with these young guys full time. Maybe God's trying to stretch you into a new area of increased effectiveness. When I heard that, everything in me said, no, no, I'm comfortable. I have a great job. I'm making high six figures. I've made it. I'm comfortable. I can go on nice vacations. My family can live in a nice house. We can do whatever we want. I don't want to go in the ministry full time and like work with young guys all the time who don't want to make good decisions. And, <laughs> and it's really hard. Another thing is uncover any ungodly character trait that he wants to transform. Man, another thing that's so difficult and hard, right? Makes us uncomfortable. Raise your sights beyond yourself to see others in need. What's the big words in corporate America? One of them is servant leadership. Looking for others in need to see what they need. Help them, serve them. In this individualistic culture, very few business people are looking to serve others. The people that do it best are super successful because many people aren't doing it. Try calling somebody in the trades these days. Maybe in Manhattan it's not like this. But man, if I call somebody in Lawrence, man, a lot of them don't get back to you. They don't even get back to you. And I'm talking like plumbers, electricians. There isn't people that are doing their job excellent. There's some. But if you do your job excellent, man. And it, just thinking as, as this like serve people. We need to serve people. God's pushing us to think of others that are, are instead of ourselves. Another one. Push you to become someone capable of living at a higher level. Look at what the disciples did. I mean, when you think about this, I, I think of the verse that talks about the disciples were unlearned and ignorant. Jesus said, man, hey, come follow me. And these dudes were fishermen, tax collectors, all kinds of random dudes. And, they, and the Bible says they were unlearned and ignorant. And yet they go on. Look at today. We're talking about them today. They've, they were discipled. He trained them. And they went on to change the world. But guess what? It was painful. It was hard. Many of them died, not the funnest way. Is there a fun way to die, though? But um, Recently, I read a book called The Adversity Quotient. And the, and the book, on the, on the book, it says, the most important factor in achieving success. I don't know that I would agree with that because, you know, I think that, um, that the Holy Spirit can do some things that maybe... Uh, that adversity maybe can't. But anyways, we'll just say that it says the most important factor in achieving success. In the book, they categorize people into three groups on how they respond when they face adverse circumstances. Three types of people. And in, in, in the book, it says that the average person faces 23 adversities each day. Some of you may think, well, Rich, I experience 40 adversities a day. <laughs> um, all the adversities could be as you wake up and there's no cream for your coffee. That's an adversity, right? That's a serious adversity. I get really sad when that doesn't, you know, when that's not there. Or, you know, your dog ate your shoes that you were going to go. You know, the, we experience 23 adversities per day. How do you respond to those adversities? How do you respond? Well, the three types of people... One is quitters. 
That's 15% of the population, according to this author. He says 15% of the people are quitters. They're people who retired years ago, but never bothered to tell anyone. They were overwhelmed by the challenge of life, job, growing their faith, and they gave up. They ignore, mask, and desert their basic core human drive to grow, and unfortunately for them and those around them, they are often bitter and depressed. They are resentful of people around them who are still climbing. So these are quitters. Um, I know nobody in here is a quitter, so we're going to move on to the next one. Campers. This is the majority of us, 80%. 80% of the population are campers. They are retired climbers. That's the next group. They get the job done sufficiently. They simply don't strive as hard or sacrifice as much as they once did. They've lost their edge. My friend lost his edge. Their operating systems, you know when you get your computer gets older, it starts just moving slower, right? Gets bogged down with all the programs being, maybe it's like their operating systems get bogged down. They have reached some limits beyond they seem unable to go. I just thought that was old age. But um, they perform basic functions, but they do not demonstrate the same speed, capacity, and capabilities they once had. At some point in their careers and lives, they understandably got tired and they found a nice, comfortable place to sit out the remaining years. That's how I felt at year seven in my business. I felt I was a camper. I was like, man, this is good. I could sit here the next 20 years and be good. I'm bored as heck, but the money's good, and it's easy. It's an easy job. It's good. All right. They have sacrificed their highest aspirations and contributions for the security and stability that they now enjoy. You know, the, the wild thing is, though, is that the campground isn't safe for these campers, right? The campground is continually rocked with change. The word change, that's scary for people. Market crashes, life circumstances, death, illnesses, downsizing, pandemics. The campground isn't safe, folks. And this causes campers to fear and worry. They end up getting full of fear and worry. And tragically, campers have been successful in reaching the campground. And once they abandon the trying to climb, they gradually atrophy and lose their ability to climb. They gradually decline. Yeah, atrophy means to gradually decline. That's not that fun. I don't like that word, atrophy. I don't want atrophy. I don't want my muscles to atrophy if I, if I can help it. Then the last group is climbers, 5% of the population. Only 5% of the people, according to this author, are actually people that climb their entire life. They're just climbing. Those people are dedicated to lifelong ascent. Operating system, in their operating system, is an inner relentlessness that it immunizes them from adversity. Immunizes them from adversity. They make things happen. They're tenacious, refuse to accept defeat for long. They step into the very fear that paralyzes many others. My wife was, we were talking this morning, and she was telling me, she goes, man, I didn't sleep that good. I was thinking about these two things. She told me two different things that she was worried about, and, and she, I had told her what I was talking about today, and apparently she didn't remember, because I said, hey, man, God's putting you these in these uncomfortable situations, because she says, what do you think I should do about these two situations? I said, man, that's for you to figure out. You're, you know, this is your uncomfortable situation. No, I didn't say that because I would have been in trouble. But, <clears throat> but 
But she had, she already has, she had these two situations. And I said, this is a perfect message for you that we're talking about today, about being uncomfortable. Like, she's very uncomfortable and it's really like, I don't know what to do. This is so hard. But I said, man, for you to grow, Anne, you're going to have to press into these two things because this is important for you. Because I knew what I would do, but I'm not her. Um, they think in terms of possibilities and rarely allow any internal factor or external obstacle to get in the way of their ascent. They are fueled by challenges and refuse to be insignificant in their work or their relationships. And because of how they're wired, they simply learn from each challenge, adapt, grow, and move to the next mountain and the next obstacle. Man, I want to be that. I want to be that kind of person. Man, when the obstacles come, all right, what's, man, how can, we, how can we move through this? How can we get around this? How do we take what, what the pandemic is throwing at us and, and, and go forward? And that's how I had to think just three or four months ago. How do we do this in a campus ministry context when all the students are gone? Or many of them are. How would you classify yourself right now? You know, take a minute, think. Like, hey, wh- which one spoke to you? Where do you, where do you fit? I mean, Clymer spoke to me, but on the, I, I knew that I wasn't there just a few years ago. When adversity hits you, how do you respond? Do you crawl into a ball? And that's okay, as long as you get out of that ball and get moving, right? But where, where, do you, where are you at right now? Remember, Luke 9:58. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. Are you comfortable in being uncomfortable? Because the, the, let me tell you, following Jesus is uncomfortable. It should be uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, you're probably not doing all that God's called you to do. So about 17 years ago, I started building a business. I, I, I was a lawyer, a successful lawyer. Well, I shouldn't say successful. I'd been in the business. I had been a lawyer for three years. was making good money at a big corporate law firm in Kansas City. And a, a guy asked me and another guy and said, hey, Rich, would you, I was making close to six figures at that time um, as an attorney. And I say all this so you guys can see the magnitude of the numbers and stuff. I, he said, hey, could you come work with me and learn a business? I'll pay you 1500 a month for six months so that you, and, and then you have to make it. 1500 a month for six months, and then you have to make it. I said, sure, that sounds like a great opportunity. So I, I went into this business, and I was climbing. I went, man, we busted our tail, me and my partner, and we went after it, and we climbed. We were getting home late at night. We were meeting people, knocking on doors, talking to people, trying to get them to invest and believe in us and what we were doing with our business. And year five or six, man, we were, we had made inroads. We were doing some good business. And at that point, I told you, we were highly successful after about six or seven years. We had been climbing and we thought, man, we can keep climbing. But for me, I got bored. I kind of was like, man, this is, and I kind of started camping. I kind of, I didn't make the calls anymore. I didn't, you know, I didn't, um, I wasn't going out knocking on people's doors. People were still coming because uh, we had a reputation now. But I wasn't as aggressive. I was, I was satisfied. I was doing what the campers were doing. I was camping. I was still trying to make, make disciples in the sense of talking with young guys and, and reaching out to them. But I had gotten pretty much bored. And I, I was like, man, I could stay in this business or, you know, you know, do something else. 
maybe, I, and I contemplated that. Somebody came and talked to me and said, hey, man, why don't you try this? Because this is something that you're really good at. And, that, and, and this may, so at 40, 41 years old, I sold the business. I sold the business. I had started another business too, but that person that had came and spoke to me, they said, hey, why don't you go invest in young guys and man, do that for a living. I didn't believe God that I, that I could do that. I didn't think I was going to be very good at that. So I went to work for my other business for a year. They told me, hey, man, they, there was a job open for me. There was, it said, Ted, come do this. Go all that, man, this is, man, you're doing this, you do this really well. Go, follow this path. And I said, uh, maybe not yet. I'm going to go work for this other business, my other business that I had started. So I went to work for that other business. That year was a total failure. I thought I was the man in business and that I could grow a business. It sucked. I did poorly. I did not grow anything. It was a waste of time because I didn't pursue. I was, I basically, I was still in camp mode. I thought I was just going to ride on my coattails and just, man, the business was just going to grow. Didn't. And I, I was just camping. So after that year, I told the guys, listen, I didn't do a very good job. I'm sorry. I can't work here anymore. I have to go pursue this because this is where God is calling me to go. And if I'm going to be all that God's called me to be, I got to go. I got to go and start climbing. Well, you'd think that would be great and that was the end of the story, but no, actually, I ended up going into Call to Greatness and uh, they asked me to be the president and to lead the organization and I actually struggled the first probably two or three years. I actually was still in camp mode. I, you know, I probably, the new challenges I faced were just too much for me to wrap my head around. Lots of responsibilities and lots of lives depending on me to do the right things. I was very uncomfortable. People, not numbers. I was in a numbers business before. Big staff versus small staff. No control. Man I was managing, not leading. Adversity was hitting me at all directions. Adversity was hitting me in all directions. And I was like, man, I can manage this thing, but I don't know if I can lead this thing. This is hard. This is hard. There's too much people drama. And I didn't have that kind of people drama at my other place. It was number drama. Numbers were easy. Man, you know if you did well at the end of the month. That was a big thing. Like, you knew at the end of the month, did I do well or did I do poorly? With people, it's a long process. You could think somebody's doing really well for a month, and man, and then they just, eh, they fall off a cliff. And, and, then they, and then you're doing well for a month, and then oh, and you're just like, what the heck? So hard to do, see, like, is God really doing anything in this guy's life? Like, come on. So it was, it was a really difficult time. And I, I kind of feel like for most of us, you know, I'm going to think of like the metaphor of a mountain. You know, we get a strong start in our faith. We get a strong foundation in our faith, serving others. We put ourselves in some uncomfortable positions. We really are seeing God move through our life. I mean, it's kind of like when you're, you're on, you know, if, if you, any of you, how many have been to Colorado before? Mountains, a lot of you, right? So, you know, before you get to the mountains, there's like the grassy fields and you're kind of going up to get to the upstart climbing the mountain. Maybe there's a nice river that you can, you know, fresh water. It's so nice. And, you're, and man, life is good when you first become a Christian. You're walking up that. Then you start the incline, right? And man, this is hard. I'm breathing hard. Man, the altitude is high. Man, I'm starting to breathe hard. Man, then you, then you think of the movies, and I think of like when those dudes are on the mountains and the snow's hitting you from all directions, right? There's avalanche potential. There's all these things coming at you, and you're just like, man, what the heck? We face some setbacks in our faith. Maybe we're unwilling to change some ways of thinking or some bad habits. 
Maybe we get caught up in world affairs. Maybe we get scared about losing our jobs, friends, status if we speak about our faith. We stop climbing. We stop putting ourselves in uncomfortable positions. And we say, you know, maybe this area right here, this little plateau, I'm good. I'm still a Christian. I'm still a good person. I'm moral. I'm good. I'm just going to stand right here for now. It's okay. We stop challenging ourselves. We even stop, in a sense, needing God because we're not taking any risk, right? We're at this plateau. We're at the campground. We're having little campfires with s'mores. We're good, right? We're good. There's not, it's not uncomfortable. Man, who doesn't, you know, not, most people like s'mores and sitting around the campground, going fishing, hanging out, right? We're comfortable. We even stop, in a sense, needing God, and we camp, sit, and then we begin to, that good word, atrophy. We begin to waste away. We gradually decline, and we live out our days, and our spiritual muscles become weak. We don't even know how to share the gospel anymore. How many times have you shared the gospel in the last two weeks? How many times have you went out and served somebody in the last couple weeks? Maybe for some of you it's none. So we got to keep pushing through that mountain. We got to keep climbing. We got to keep going. We got to keep asking God, man, what new risk? What Holy Spirit, speak to me. What new risk are you putting in front of me today? So what changed me? I was in Call to Greatness. I was moving forward and, and really seeing this struggle. What got me climbing to get again? What pushed me to move from camping to climbing? Well, I want to tell you, in the context of this first point, is realizing that God had more, that I had one life to live. I wanted to see what's on the other side of that mountain. You know, that metaphor of the mountain that I just talked about. Man, I wanted to go and climb to the peak and get on the other side and see what God's purpose for my life and how God, what, what had God been calling me to. Um, we started, started dreaming and started believing, God, what would you have? And he told me, man, we need to expand we need to keep moving forward. Rich, you need to lead that charge. We came up, he gave us a vision for what we call Saturate Kansas now. We're trying to reach all 53 universities in the state of Kansas that have 250 students or more. We're pushing that. And many of those campuses, we've, we, as we've done the research, don't even have one campus ministry on them. There's nobody reaching those campuses. And so then we, then we saw a show, Last Chance You. I don't recommend it. Um, <coughs> Um, I started watching this show and saw these young men coming from all over the country to these small JUCOs in Kansas. There's 19 JUCOs in Kansas. Eight of them have football. These young men from all over the United States, from the big cities, are showing up in small town Kansas. They haven't been parented, okay? They're thrown into their last chance. They're there because of why because their academics were a problem, because they got kicked out of school for plagiarism, for stealing, for some type of criminal activity, for sexual assault, whatever. They're all D1 athletes. They all could play at K-State, but they're there at, at, Fort, at, uh, at any of these JUCOs because they got in problems. This is their last chance. And we said, we go there, I went to a couple of them, and I saw nobody is reaching these young men and ladies. And they're two, you only got two years. They're there and they're gone. So realizing that God had more, and that, that got me excited. That started, man, God, you got more for me to go there 
to go to some of these universities. We need to expand and grow. Saturate Kansas. Let me get behind that. Number two, trusting that God is in control. Why, why was I trying to control everything? I, think I couldn't do it. Nothing's going to be just right. You know, you're going to face adversity, and you just got to know God's in control. So I started going, I, I, I went to this university and started praying. Just went to this, it, down in Fort Scott, Kansas, I went to their JUCO, and with a group of people, three people, and we just started praying. We just went. I went three times, two times, two, three times, and just prayed. They have a pond, and I just pray, I walked around the pond, just prayed for the campus, and started meeting people on the campus. While I was there, I met the football coach. A week later, he got fired. He was going to give us wide open access to all the teams. Uh, I went and met with the basketball coach, met with all the teams. Man, they were like, hey, come in. We, help, we need help. We'll pay, whatever help you want to give, we're good. And we're like, great. Then the coach get fired, or just let's go. So I said, well, what am I going to do, God? I'm not in control. I can't. You're in control. He said, go down there and just walk into the new coach's office, see what happens. Well, who does that? Like, I, I'm like scared. I'm like, no way. Like, I can't do that. So I walk down to the coach. I walk, I walk, go to Fort Scott. I walk down to the coaching area because I know where they're at. And I walk in his office and say, hey, coach, my name's Rich Lorenzo. I'm with Call to Greatness. Hey, I'm here to help you. What do you need? And we talked for 20 minutes and he said, let's go have coffee. We go have coffee two and a half hours later. We're best buddies. And we're becoming, and he's like, man, I want to, I want you to preach the gospel and help these young men. I said, first coach, I need to help you. And so what happens, we start, we start doing character classes for these football players, and then the pandemic hits. Boom. Adversity strikes again. What the heck? I remember getting the call, Rich, all the football players are getting home from the coach. Man, we can't do anything else. Sorry, bro. I'm going back to Murray, Kentucky, where he, he, where he, was, he had just gotten the coaching job literally a month before, and he's like, I'm going back to my be with my family until this pandemic thing resolves. I, I remember getting the call. It was like 7 a.m. in the morning on a Monday morning. It's my day off. I was laying in bed, and I sat there and said, oh, crap. I put the blankets over my head, and I said, this sucks. <laughs> what am I going to do? Talked to the coach, and, we, and, and two things I said. I said, hey, man, we'll just do this online. We'll go through Zoom, and we'll do the character classes online. Well, you think, oh, man, that's going to go great. We were having 50 guys coming to the ones in, in Fort Scott. Oh, man, we're going to have, it's going to be awesome. The first one, we had five guys. Then from then on, we had two, two, six, two, one, seven, two. That was the rest of the semester with, the, with our character classes. Man, we had great interest, right? No, it's very discouraging. You're like, man, do these guys even want to grow? Do they even care? But one thing I did is I said to the coach, I said, man, coach, why don't we take this time for you to grow your faith and let me invest in you? So we took him through this book that we use. I don't know if you guys use it here. I, I assume you do. It's called Real Life Discipleship Book. I said, you know what? It's 12 weeks, coach. Let's just spend the time going through this book. He said, man, that sounds great. We spend four to five hours a week on Zoom and are just going through this book. Him in Murray, Kentucky, me in Lawrence, Kansas. And we built a relationship, built a friendship as much as we could. When he came to town, I tried to go down to Fort Scott when he was in town. But otherwise, we just built a friendship. So trusting God that God's in control okay? Even though despite there was adversity that hit us, I still believed that God was going to move and could keep me moving and keep climbing despite the setbacks that I was facing. Third thing, know who you are. Come to grips that God gave me certain gifts and abilities. Use that as part of the team. Say goodbye to comparison. Big struggle for a lot of people, right? All of us. 
Don't try to be something you're not. Rely on others for the things you lack. You know, you have to come to grips at some point. You know, some people takes longer than others. Hey, look, I'm good at this. You know, I can't be everything to everybody. I'm not going to be good at this. I'm not going to be good at that. But I can be really good at this, and I can be really good at that. Let me focus on those things that I'm good at. And then everything else, man, if I need, you know, somebody for this, man, I'm going to go pull them in. Here, I need you to do this, bro. I need you to do this. You know, if I need somebody, man, I need people. We need a team. We're not solo individuals that can do everything. God didn't give you every gift, right? So we need a team. And you need to know who you are. Don't try to do something you're not, necessarily. There's some things God may be calling you to do, and you need to do those. But, man, work within those gifts that God has given you. So I just spent the time just continuing to be diligent with the coach throughout the break, throughout that whole pandemic break. And, uh, you know, he pretty much said at the end of the pandemic, he said, Rich, hey, whatever you guys at Call to Greatness want to do, like however often you want to be there, you guys are coaches, you're on the team, just if you need a room, let me know. If you need, you know, if you're, you're on the team, like at the cafeteria, go eat whenever you want. You want to do this presentation, that presentation, great. If we're practicing, you're out on the field, do whatever. Basically, just, I just was diligent, and he gave me an open door. What does that give me access to? 100 football players and coaches and a coaching staff to really just share the gospel and to be their friend and to be help them grow as people even number four realizing that transform lives require sacrifice lives are probably not going to change with your mouth closed sitting in your house you have to get in the game and it may cause you to be uncomfortable so the story continues the the, the guys got there early july 100 young men from all over the country, Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta, Louisville, Memphis, name it, Florida, all over Florida, the state of, from all over the state of Florida, arrived to Fort Scott, Kansas. Five of them end up testing, no, six of them end up testing positive for COVID, um, no symptoms, and they quarantined those guys for 14 days. On top of that, the kids that were rooming with them for one night, they also had to get quarantined for 14 days, even though they did not test positive. So you can imagine how those six, seven young men felt. What did we do? We didn't just stay and say, like, no. We sacrificed. We said, hey, my team and I, we went. We served them. We got them food. We were, we were hanging out with the COVID guys because they, nobody was, could hang out with them. We would get them food. We would go. We would go. Man, we'd go preach to them. We'd go talk to them. We'd play video games with them. We would do whatever. They're stuck in a room for 14 days. The only thing they could do to go out was as a group, the 14 of them would go on three-mile walks every day with one, of the co- with, uh, with one of us. They would go for a three-mile walk. The coaches wanted them to get a little bit of exercise so they wouldn't atrophy, right? But they were literally stuck in a room for 14 days. And a couple of those young men, unfortunately, the ones that were roommates, ended up leaving the school because they were like, man, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to, I don't care. 14 days and I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not, you know, and they left. They just left. They gave up. Quit it. That they quit. But exciting. So we just kept on. We, so we've been down there. You know, my, my kids the other day, they were asking me, they said, like, Dad, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to Fort Scott. Again? Again? Because we've been going. Like the last two weeks, man, I've been gone like seven or eight of those days, just been gone, and I get home at 1130 at night, tired. But, you know, it's, I've been spending time. I've been investing in these young men. Last Sunday, we had our first chapel service, and the coach made it mandatory. That was nice. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred young men 
go into the auditorium from all, for kids from all over the country. And, I, and, and again, I used my team. I'm not the best evangelist out there. I'm not, you know, but I found a guy that's a good friend of mine, and he played football and has a great story, Juco. He went the Juco route. I had him come share his story and share the gospel. At the end of his message, 34 young men stood up and said, I want to follow Jesus. Wow. We were like, he just said, hey, man, if you're serious, let's get up. And so we talked to those young men. We said, if you're serious, come back the next night. We're going to be here. We came back the next night. Fifteen of them showed up. Five or six of them said they forgot. We're going to follow those knuckleheads up. But, <clears throat> but 15 of those young men we're going to invest in right now. And we're going to continue to invest in other young men, in the other young men there. Because there's a lot of them, they heard the message now. There was many of them that were sitting down with their hands up, praying the prayer that they wanted to, wanted to grow and follow Jesus. But they didn't stand up. That's okay. That's okay. But God has till opened up the, the field there. He's given us a lot of favor. And we can go in there and we have an opportunity to build relationships and share the gospel. Despite the adversities that we have faced and the adversities that many of these young men are facing. You know, right now, it seems like you're facing lots of adversity. All of us are, right? We're all facing adversity. It seems like the world around us seems to be blowing up. People are hurting. I mean, I've heard so many of my friends who are um, medical professionals talking about how much mental health issues have gone up during this um, pandemic. Um, you know, abuse cases are rising. Just yesterday, I was talking to somebody who said that in, the, in law enforcement, they were telling me about domestic violence has gone way up. Abuse, sexual abuse, gone up. Injustice and suffering is rising. What can we even do? What can we even do? It just seems so enormous of a task. And I think God is saying to all of us, just move. You know, put one foot in front of the other. You know, maybe for some of us, it's like, just man, start putting your shoes on again and put your socks and shoes on again and start moving. Start moving up the mountain. Start, get those shoes on and start taking steps, you know. Some of you, you know, maybe, you know, you need to get out of your tent. You've been sitting in that tent for a while. And you need to start climbing. Man, it's going to, and there's going to be adversity. But man, start climbing again, you know. Other of you have been climbing already. Keep climbing. Stay encouraged. Hang out with people that are climbing, climbing, so that you stay, keep staying encouraged and you want to keep climbing. Because it's going to get hard. The interesting thing, you know, that mountain in front of us or the adversity in front of us isn't the same mountain in front of me. The, the mountain in front of Jenny is different than the, um, than, the mountain, than the mountain in front of Bailey or in front of Jonathan. We all have different mountains, and that's good. We each have different adversity to overcome, but we all have to climb. There's no shortcuts. We all have to climb. And the wild thing about a mountain, you can't jump over a mountain. Right? We can't climb, jump over a mountain and just can't, hey, there's shortcut. No, it's easy. No. You've got to climb. And that incline is hard. It's tough. And the cool thing is about being a Christian that the Holy Spirit is there to help us climb, to overcome, to navigate, to give us direction, to lead and guide us on that journey, to encourage us when we're like, literally, I can't take another step. I'm so out of breath. I cannot face another piece of adversity. My good friend now, the coach there at the junior college, man, I told him the other day, I said, 
I said, Carson, you know the 23 adversities the average person has? Dude, you have 50 adversities a day. How do you keep going? How do you keep? He's like, man, it's about the kids, Rich. I love these kids, and I want to see. Who would want that job? You know, he gets paid maybe $40,000, $50,000 a year to deal with kids, a lot of kids that this is their last chance. There's a lot of drama there every day. There's a lot of drama. Kids are stabbing each other. Kids are fighting in the lunchroom. Kids are yelling at their professors. Man, it's hard. You're 24-7. Who wants that job? He obviously has to be a kingdom man to continue pressing on with this job. And we have to have this, this resolve in us that the Holy Spirit is in us and can give us the power to continue to fight against these adversities that, that get, thrown, get thrown at us. You know, what mountain does God want you to climb? You know, maybe for some of you, it's just obeying his word. Like, just follow. Like, man, let it transform you. Don't keep fighting somebody that's trying to help you grow. Maybe it's becoming a better communicator of the good news. Maybe it's helping a family in need, talking to a neighbor, building a new friendship. But coasting isn't an option. Listen, Luke 9.58 says, Jesus was curt, rudely brief. Jesus was rudely brief. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best inns, you know. The cost of, the, the cost of following Jesus, man, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And we got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So as you face adversity in, the next, in this next week, man, I would just, man, as you're, as you're even leaving today and thinking today, man, how can I get out of being a camper? Because I'm going to just assume that everybody in here is either a camper or a climber. I'm not going to assume that anybody's quitter because you're here. We're going to believe. But if you're a camper or a climber, man, if you're a climber, keep climbing. But if you're a camper, which is probably the majority of us, man, ask God, God, where are you taking me? Where, where do I need to go next? What mountain do I need to climb? Because there is a spot you have to go if you want to be all that God's called you to be. If you want to reach the purpose that he's called for you, you're going to have to climb. You're going to have to stop being comfortable. Because follow, living in the kingdom of God shouldn't be comfortable. It's actually uncomfortable so that we can continue to grow. So, as, I, as we close here, let me just ask the worship team to come up, and I'm just going to pray for us, and then have them kind of close us out, um, if that's okay. So just bow your heads with me. Father, we just thank you, Father God, that you're a good God. You give us a great playbook that, that just to help us, Lord God, to help us see that, man, how to live the way you want us to live. How to, how to like, man, how to challenge us, challenge us to live at a higher level. When I think of, Father God, your word, and think of how the disciples were living, and I see how we're living in, in this culture today, man, I don't see that there's not a lot of similarities, Lord. Father, help us to be more similarities. That things are, man, things are tough in this world, but let us live out of that, Lord God. Let us, let us press into those difficulties, those adversities, Father God. Put us in, man, let us be in uncomfortable situations that we have to rely on you and your Holy Spirit to give us words to give us the right the, the ability to overcome lord god let us step into challenges today let us step into challenges lord god and to, to keep climbing the mountain that you've put in front of us in jesus name amen